we really want everyone to be on the lookout for new technology, for companies that are coming in and showing their ability to create these apps, their ability to do uh, systems of systems analysis, and not just that. Anything that would benefit civil affairs, we really want to make sure that the component is behind you and endorsing these products. And then we step in at the end and help you transition that to a program of record. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode, and we're joined today by Dr. Lynn Copeland. She is the Civil Information Chief of the U.S. Army Special Operations Center of Excellence. Dr. Lynn Copeland advises the Army Civil Affairs Commandant of any doctrinal, organizational, training materiel, leadership, education, personnel, facilities, and policy shortfalls impacting the Civil Information Management Mission, a core task within civil affairs. Before joining the Army Civil Affairs proponent in 2014, Dr. Copeland was the program manager for the Civil Affairs Operating System within the 95th Civil Affairs Brigade, and prior to working with Civil Affairs, she was a physical scientist for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Dr. Copeland has a B.S. in Meteorology from University of South Alabama, an M.S. in Geography from the University of Alabama, and a Ph.D. in Climatology from LSU, Louisiana State University. Dr. Copeland, thank you very much for being on the 1CA podcast. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Uh, We wanted to try to paint a picture of civil information for the listeners today. So could we discuss the who, what, when, where, and why, and how, really, of civil information, and maybe start at a tactical level, having these CA teams who collect civil information that is then transferred to a sim cell for collection analysis, that goes through that SIM cycle. Who else collects civil information on the battlefield, and why does that happen? Well, you know, one, one thing about civil information is that it's, it's literally captured by absolutely everyone. And I do think that is something that, that is not discussed and we just kind of glaze over in civil affairs. We do need to make sure that we understand that it's the responsibility of everyone on the battlefield to collect information about the about the civilian space, about this human domain that, that we are working in. There's a slogan that everyone is a censor, and, and I think it's a little cliche, and we use it a lot, but it is really true. And we as civil affairs need to make sure that not only are we providing the means to properly collect information on the field pertaining to the populace, but we need to make sure we are also offering means for other individuals that are in our same space or maybe have access that we don't have to also collect this information and provide it in a format that all of us can use. Okay. I think I've heard some very senior generals and admirals talk about intelligence, and, and I think this may apply to civil information as well. And that their careers, they've seen the vast majority of intelligence they they were able to sift through and review came from open sources. Would you say that's the same case for civil information? I think that over the past couple of years, we have seen more data from open sources is becoming more prevalent. It's becoming easier to access. But I also want to make sure... It's a a slight touchy topic for me. I want to make sure that no one perceives open source data or the ability to gain 
or find or data mine. I want to make sure that it's not seen that this is something that can replace civil affairs. And we want to make sure that it's understood that there's still a vetting process that needs to take place. And whether that vetting process takes place at your desktop or in the field, we need to make sure that it's understood that although this data, and we talk about big data, we talk about social media, although all this is becoming more available, we've got to make sure that it's understood that we need someone particular with a special skill set such as civil affairs to vet this data and to make sure that using big data when we're transforming it into information and we're using it for our analytics. Yeah. Does that mean that you want people uh, in the civil affairs community to be the ones who can make sense of the of all the data to figure out the so what and why it matters to the commander? Absolutely. Okay. Ma'am, let's talk briefly about this uh, sometimes fuzzy line between information and intelligence. Does that distinction matter, and where do you draw that line? I believe it does matter just because we need to make sure we're educating everyone. I think it's an issue, from, from my experience, it's an issue that was definitely something discussed a decade ago, a very hard line between CA and intelligence and therefore information and intelligence. And I think that the fact that it is a little fuzzy and it's become a little more blurred is a good thing. I think people are finally realizing that there is a distinction. We all have our roles and civil affairs needs to make sure that this raw data that we're collecting, however it is that we're collecting, we have to understand that we've got to collate this data we need to further vet this data. We need to turn it into some actionable knowledge. And from that point forward, we need to turn this data over to those that have the experience to analyze it, to turn it into intelligence. Now, there's a lot of debate right now, even in the proponent, who's doing this analysis? You know, where do we draw the line between civil affairs analysis and intelligence analysis, those in the Intel MOS. So I think that's that's really where the argument has moved to, is who is providing the analysis to produce an intelligence product, or in our case, who's really taking the information and making it or turning it into knowledge that we can hand over as a polished product. Okay. Let's talk about what types of information civil affairs forces collect and analyze. If you're going to, let's say, Oklahoma, and you're doing some training in Oklahoma, um, I would think that it would be valuable to have information on the economy and the, the connection to oil or the cattle industry. That, that you really have to know where you're stepping into, uh, whether it's another state in the United States for training or you're going to another country. You have to look at that country study before you go there. But right. could you give some examples of all the different types of information, uh, sociocultural, economic um, infrastructure that civil affairs forces do collect? Sure. And I, and I know that, that you know this, and a lot of our listeners will know this too. I, I think when someone asks, what is it that civil affairs collects? Or what is it that, what information is it that civil affairs needs? I think that we just quickly answer the question and we say, oh, well, that's ASCO. You know, doctrinally, that's what it says that we do. 
And that's fine. But that's such a broad way of looking at the information. And when you tell someone that you're collecting data on, you know, the civil areas, the structures, the capability event sounds like a lot but you're providing the individual with an understanding of what it is they really need to understand before they deploy so you, you said something that's that that really resonates with me i believe that the the how to say this nicely i think one of the problems we have in civil affairs is that we have not properly provided a repository or um, an ability to have living documents in the form of area studies. And I know there's been so much debate over what do we call these things, right? Is it country study? Is it regional study? Is it area study? And for me, I'm just kind of like, all right, stop the madness. You have a mission, you know where you're going. In the case you just said, you're going to a specific city in Oklahoma. That should define what is in your area scope of your study, whether you need to look at something at a city level, a county level, a state level, but it's really these the areas that that we need to make sure that we're that we're properly um, filling out, if you will. We have a nice template, and we need to follow it. And CA, in my, in my opinion, you know that's something that's that we're skipping out on. We're taking the easy button. We're going and we're pulling a CA fat book and we're calling it good. And it's not good. These area studies need to look at systems and systems, right? We don't just need to focus in on the oil industry per se, in the sense of what's being produced at this refinery. We need to look at how that interacts with all the other systems. How does that interact with your economy, with your transportation, if you were to lose power, what are the results? And how does that go out and impact the community? So it's really more of a systems and systems approach, and we need to refine it, and we need to document it, and we need to provide said document in a manner that your replacement, the team that's coming in after you, can quickly pick up, see the information that you've gathered, understand the knowledge, see the products you've produced, and then to it right and you try to do as much as possible and as, as good a job as you can before you arrive in country or right. wherever you're going and then once right. you hit the ground you try to confirm deny update constantly update and refine uh the products because you right. it'll change and the points of contact will change and the people of influence exactly. will change exactly and i think my biggest thing is trying to manage information as a branch have stored all these documents and made it easy for those teams that are coming in after you. And I, you know, that's one thing that is so simple, but it's been overlooked. Okay. And so I really, I, yeah, I really hope that going forward, we're doing a lot better job with that. We've been talking with Dr. Lynn Copeland, Civil Information Chief, U.S. Army Special Operations Center of Excellence. When we come back, we'll talk more about the end users of civil information, a commander and staff sections, and then focusing on how civil information is collected and analyzed and the future of civil affairs SIM, including commercial CA Solution Army. We'll be right back. Let me tell you about the Civil Affairs Association, the main sponsor of the 1CA podcast. It was established in 1947. 
The Civil Affairs Association is a veterans organization serving professionals of the U.S. civil affairs community. Members have served or are currently serving in the armed forces or are the descendants of those who served. As a tax-exempt organization, the association operates within the guidelines of Internal Revenue Code Section 501c19. It is organized for educational, professional, fraternal, and social purposes. The association promotes esprit de corps and disseminates relevant information. The CA Association also serves as an advocate for civil affairs within DOD to ensure an adequate capability to perform any mission assigned or task to the CA community. Membership costs are low. E1 through E4 pay only $5 a year. E5 through E9 pay $20. Cadets and midshipmen pay $10. And officers and civilians pay $25 a year. Life membership is also low. Pegged now at $200. So if you're committed to the CA community, then it makes a lot of sense to invest in a life membership and save in the long term. Welcome back to the 1CA podcast and our interview with Dr. Lynn Copeland. She is the Civil Information Chief, U.S. Army Special Operations Center of Excellence. Dr. Copeland, can we talk about the end users of civil information? Before the break, we talked a little bit about how this information will go to commanders. Can you say from from where you sit, are these uh, you know a mix of civil affairs commanders who are going to uh, battalion brigade commanders? And the people you may have talked to in the past, how do they like to digest the information? Is the format that we have today offering to those commanders and their staff sections the right format? Or is there something else down the line? I believe there's definitely something down the line civil affairs individuals not necessarily coming to the table with actionable products that other staff sections are, are, are open to. I actually sit here at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. I'm, I'm on a detail here for a couple more months, and I've worked hand-in-hand hand with the intel side. So I'm looking at information and intelligence combined together and it's very clear to me that, unfortunately, civil affairs is not turning over information in either formats or either detail that the intel community is ready to accept. And that's something that the proponent is aware of. Uh, we do have our concept developers working on this cultural knowledge integration uh, to replace our existing civil information cells. And I think that we are really taking the right steps forward to figure out what it is our end users are wanting. We've got to listen to them. That's how we should drive our requirements. And we really need to, you know, make a change in civil affairs as a whole. And one of the, one of the changes that we need to make is how we are dealing with information and how we are handling the products of which we are creating, both their content and their dissemination. There's a lot of work to be done when we look at workflows, and it's not necessarily always data workflows. It's also personality. It's also how we actually interact between the G2, the G3, and the G9. Yes, absolutely, there are some doctrinal products that civil affairs needs to have ready, but then there's also that pure personality-driven interaction that we've got to change. We've got to change the, the culture of how we interact with the two, three, and the nine. Okay. Can we talk about 
how civil information is collected and analyzed. Um, we know there's a SIMP process. Could you tell everyone those steps in that process and then talk about the tools that civil affairs forces use today to collect information and what may be coming down the pike? We do have a SIMP cycle. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of individuals that agree and a lot of individuals that disagree. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so let me tell you my perspective. I think that we have improperly defined SIM over the course of a decade, if not longer. And I am specifically focused on information management. You know, from an industry perspective, that's already defined. You know, information management is already out there. There's nothing special that civil affairs is doing. Um, we need to follow the business processes that are already in place for managing information. Now, the rest of the steps in our SIM cycle, especially our analytical piece, that's something that needs to be handled in an entirely different manner. So going to just pure information management, I want to collect it. I need to um, collate. I need some processing steps. I need to be able to disseminate what is, this information is that, that I have. That's what I'm really focusing on. We also need to make sure that we are structuring information so that it can be properly analyzed. But when it comes to analysis, what the proponent has done over the past couple of years has decided to adopt DSIGs as the common solution going forward. Now, I know that a lot of people listening just cringed. Trust me, there are many issues with DSIGs, but it is an Army common solution. It is a suite of tools, and it does provide the analytical framework to process and to analyze our civil affairs information. There's a lot of work to be done here, but it's also because of DSIGs as to why we have a commercial solution. So yeah. just a, and for the interagency partners, there, there are some listeners who are not CA forces. Could you describe DSIGs and how that connects to the, the, the commercial solution that you're developing? Absolutely. Um, so to give you a very brief history lesson. <laughs> so, okay, so DSIGs is, let's call it the material solution for the intelligence community. Um, the Army uses it. Other services use it. But obviously we're going to focus on the Army, on the Army version. DTIX is fielded at the secret level on our super networks. It has taken them since 2015 to get that moved down to the NIPR or to what we normally say as the FOUO version of DTIX. That has not yet been fielded. So because it's taken five years for them to move this down to the NIPR level, the civil affairs proponent approached the program management side of DSIGs back in December of 2018. And we said, look, you know, thank you so much for your efforts of moving this to a nipper environment, but you've taken five years to do it. We can't wait another five years for you to go commercial. We really need a space in the dot-com that allows us to interact with interagency easier. It allows us to plug into the humanitarians of the world. We really need to work in a dot-com arena. And they agreed. 
they agreed that they were not going to get to their commercial solution at any any time fast. And so we were able to use software entitlements that the PM office holds with Esri. And if anybody does ever worked in GIS, you know that Esri is the uh, the leading industry software solution with their Art GIS products. So for the past year, we've taken software entitlements um, with Esri, and we've built out a commercial solution. And as you mentioned, it's the uh, it's the civil affairs commercial solution. It is residing in Amazon Web Service. Anyone can hit it. Um, we do control username and password for those that want to publish data into the system. It allows us to put a simple application, a field data collection application on a personal cell phone. You can also collect data at your laptop level. It allows us to standardize what was once called the, the JSIM, the Joint Civil Information Management Surveys. We've expanded that. We've codified that. We are using MIL standard 2525 to control our entities. We have 116 of the entities that correlate to a survey on the ground. We're looking at anything from installation to infrastructure to activities to the civilian populace as, as best we can in a commercial non-PII. So that's important to make sure we all understand when you're working in the dot-com space, you know, we, we can't collect information on people. So that really shows the importance of having all three of these platforms. You know, we want the ability to do a very quick data capture in the field, but we know that in the background, back, we need to apply analytics, who's who in the zoo, so to speak. So if we can get data collected in the field, move it through the network, we will find the data from not just CA, but absolutely anyone that would like to use our system and populate this commercial database. We have the ability to move that through to our NIPR, to our SIPR instance, and then apply analytics through D6 at the NIPR and SIPR level. Okay. So at the tactical level where, where I am now, yeah. So I'm in a civil affairs Army Reserve unit, and for example, we don't always have cameras in the field that are from right. the Army, but we all have smartphones. Right. And so you're talking about having a system that's uh, going to be on web server, Amazon Web Service, and you can access it online, access it through a phone, which is amazing. That's a huge yes. leap forward. Would yes. we be able to and authorized to take photos, do you think, on a smartphone of a person or infrastructure and load that into the system? Absolutely. That's, and keep that's really mind, cool. One thing you may not be aware of is that in um, fiscal year 22, you will be fielded through NetWarrior. You'll, you will be fielded a government, so to speak, phone that will allow you to take photos at the FOUO level. And that, and that just means data can automatically be ingested into a NIPR system. Okay. So between now and FY22, Yes, you have the ability to do it on your commercial phone, okay. your privately your privately owned phone, and get it into the system that way. And that's another reason why we went after this commercial solution. You know, the Army moved so slow, right? If you sat back and waited, you would not see a civil affairs module, if you will, until fiscal year 24 
inside of what's being called Intel apps in the command post computing environment that's replacing CPOF. Yeah. So that's why the Army's moving. That's awesome. Do you think that if there's anyone from industry listening to this or we forward the information on to industry, would your center of excellence be looking for apps that could help the CA community, you know, to oh, plug into the like, system? Like, for example, if I was in the field and I was a, I was looking at health, you know, a survey that I could conduct, or could we translate the information and the forms that we have in GTAs into fillable forms on an app that you just collect the information and it will like analyze the photos and, or gives you data, um, even if it's in a humanitarian situation from USAID about calculating how much food and grain and water you would need for displaced people. Absolutely. One of the things that, that I'm doing here is I am working with an individual, the um, intelligence and information warfare director actually manages all of our R and D efforts and we are constantly looking for small business innovative research. We are looking over at the CTTSO where we try to find every avenue possible that we can get some R&D funding um, to do just what you said. So if anyone out there is listening and would like to help us with the proposal, my role in that, I understand. And you know, this is something that we've had a conversation with General Gethry not too long ago, we want to make sure that all of this CA branch as a whole understands that we really want everyone to be on the lookout for new technology, for companies that are coming in and showing their ability to create these apps, their ability to do uh, systems of systems analysis, and not just that, anything that would benefit civil affairs. We really want to make sure that the opponent is behind you and endorsing these products. And then we step in at the end and help you transition that to a program of record. That's really so I, cool. I, yeah, I just want to make sure it doesn't come across that the proponent is the only entity, you know, that can endorse these R&D efforts. We just really want to make sure and you're happy with the R&D that's taking place you're happy with an app that got developed that we can assist you with transitioning that so it gets sustainment. Okay. And the whole you know, and the whole branch has the ability to benefit from it. We will share in the show notes contact information for you so that anyone listening to this episode can share solutions. Uh, would that be appropriate to send them directly to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. So let me ask you the, the final question closing here. That the timeline, uh, again, for some of the fielding of the updates and, and what your recommendations may be for CA forces today and how they should prepare for what's coming. Right. So we are in the process of working with Army Futures Command and the ASALT community and PM Program Management for D6. We are trying to pull our commercial solution out of PM D6 and have it either assigned to a new program manager or an existing program manager that is not going through the troubles that D6 is going through. And it took D6 a very long time to give us a nipper solution. And although we've built something, we really need the ability to properly resource it. You know, I'm, I'm working with two individuals back at the proponent, and that's our team. We have a three-person team. 
obviously we can't support the entire CA branch at the moment. So what we're working on is to get an office stood up specifically for our commercial solution so that it can be properly resourced. Really what that means is, you know, we've got to get the solution into the schoolhouse. We've got to give you a new new equipment training opportunity. We've got to give you refresher training. So these are all the things that take funding. And to be under the umbrella of DSEGS, that has become very limiting. So we've been a little close hold with our prototype simply because we want to make sure that we can properly support the users that we have. Okay. We, we are right now working to get a solution for a program of our own. Now, once that happens, that would just be amazing. Until that time, however, like I said, we've been a little close hold. We've supported a few exercises to make sure that we're getting this in the field and getting feedback from the user to make sure that we are doing what you want and, you know, we can work out any bugs, anything of that nature. So what I would say is anybody listening that wants access to our commercial solution to contact me and what we've been doing is we've been very targeted and we've been agreeing to um, a specific training event, a specific exercise, and even we are supporting a mission for the 402nd down in Puerto Rico. I'm just saying that we're being very cautious as to what we are currently supporting to make sure we can support it. Well, again, anyone listening to this, um, if you have a request, please send it to Dr. Lynn Copeland. Contact information will be in the show notes. Ma'am, this has been an excellent conversation talking about civil information and, and how it relates to civil affairs forces within the Army. I really thank you very much for your time. This has been a conversation in the 1CA podcast with Dr. Lynn Copeland, Civil Information Chief of the U.S. Army Special Operations Center of Excellence. Ma'am, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.